I want to thank everybody that made it at 8.30. Congratulations, including the musician. Thank you so much, Evelyn. Somebody said they had to get up two and a half hours earlier to get here a half an hour early, so I don't quite figure that out yet, but I'm sure after church I'll hear about it. This was a week of new beginnings um, for, for us in, in many ways, not all of which you'll be familiar with, but on Monday of this past week, um, actually the past week was the new beginnings. And Monday, um, the clergy and deputies from all the parishes of the diocese, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of this past week, met the three candidates for Bishop of the Anglican Diocese of South Carolina. And uh, one of these three men, in a little less than a month, will be elected to be the bishop of our parish and of our diocese and take his place in the Council of Bishops of the Anglican Church of North America. And, and that will have an impact on us, one of two ways. It will have an impact on us if we grow weaker as a parish, which I pray will not happen because the diocese and the bishop will come to our aid. They will seek to help us. But it'll have a different impact if we grow stronger, which is my prayer, because we will be increasingly responsible within the diocese to share what God is teaching us beyond ourselves and to assist and to help in other ways beyond the boundaries of our of our parish, which I am inclined to call our zip code, but I know we have people from three or four zip codes. So that, that will be a, a, a very significant thing, um, that oversight of the diocese that will change in a little under a month. And then on Wednesday night, Bishop Mark, who's been our bishop now for, well, I'm not absolutely sure, but as long as we have been Christ the King Grace, he's been bishop, he was bishop before then, um, he came and met with the vestry and the chairman of our search committee, who is Ryan Moore, a former senior warden and known well to all of you, I think. And he spoke with the vestry and with Ryan as chairman of that search committee about the process for finding a new rector. And that's a big deal. That is a big deal, and we've been asking you, and I want to ask you again, to keep it in your daily prayers that God will bless the diocese in the choice of the next bishop, and that God will bless this parish in the choice of the next rector. Now, if I've counted correctly, and I'm not sure I'm absolutely certain that I've got this right, but I, begin, I began to preach here seven years ago. The first time Tim Surratt asked me to preach was in late 2014. And I'm near, if not past, a hundred times of preaching in this, in this, to me, wonderful congregation in more than one place, <laughs> but now in this beautiful building that we have. And I think if you have listened at all carefully any of those 100 times, you will know that two things just keep interweaving in my thinking, my preaching, my talking, my praying, and I hope my living. And that is, what does it mean to be a true Christian? Now, 
today, in this moment in time, in this generation in which we are alive, what does it mean to be a faithful follower of Jesus? And the second thing that interweaves for me is what does it mean for the church to be the true church? The faithful church, faithfully filled with followers of Jesus. Today we hear the Lord again in the Sermon on the Mount. This is a section that we are familiar with if we've ever been to an Ash Wednesday service. It's a section of the Sermon on the Mount that's always kind of preserved for Lent and the beginning of Lent. And, and even then, it's, it's a truncated selection, but we hear Jesus talk about when you pray, pray like this, and when you fast, fast like this, and when you give alms, give like this. And he sets before us three of the most ancient of disciplines uh, for those who are Christians. That is that we fast. There are times that we don't eat or we don't drink in order that we may pray more seriously, in order that we may humble our natural appetites and restrain ourselves in order to prepare ourselves for everlasting life, the life of the Spirit of God, not the life of the flesh. And we give alms because it is a duty of all God's people to care for those in true need and to care for the life of the community, of the church. And the giving of alms is part of that. And when we pray, how we pray. So this is from that section. And it's well known to you because in all of the church's history, <clears throat> the custom has been if we meet together for worship collectively, we always say this prayer. That's been the custom for almost 2,000 years. That when we gather as God's people, we pray this prayer. Which we've come to call the Lord's Prayer, right? We, we know it as the Lord's Prayer. If you were blessed as a child, <clears throat> if you were blessed as a child, you were taught the Lord's Prayer when you were very young. You were taught the Ten Commandments when you were very young. And you learned the Apostles' Creed when you were very young. And, and those three together have been given to us down the centuries as the, the sort of incubating shell, if I could call it that way, the, the beginning of understanding what it means to be faithful to the God who made us and to the God who called us. And, and therefore, it's, 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 it's a sad thing for me to acknowledge how uncommon it has become for people to be comfortably familiar with all three of those things, so much so that at any moment in time, any of us could discuss them. We know the Ten Commandments because we've prayed them and we've begged God for the grace to live them. And we know the Lord's Prayer because we pray it. We pray it. Many of us pray it day by day by day by day. And we know the Apostles' Creed because it's a, a beginning summary. It's not the whole, but it's a beginning summary of the truth of the Scriptures. 
It gives us, as it were, a doorway into the whole counsel of God. Now, these, think, these three things, the, the Ten Commandments and the Apostles' Creed and the Lord's Prayer, if taught to us as children, don't mean that we become Christians because we've learned them. It just means that we are being taught what it means to be a Christian. And at some point, and some point, if we are to move from that, here's what it means, to here's how I'm going to live, we have to trust in Christ Jesus. We have to come to believe in him, not because we were taught about him, but because we have come to the conviction that it's true. We have come to that place where we are willing to surrender to it. We are prepared to say, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. And when we say that, and if we mean that, we move from being someone who knows about the Christian faith to someone who believes it. Because in that moment, God in a mercy of grace comes to us, gives us his spirit, touches our heart, makes us know that he has heard our prayer and that he knows we meant it. And that his spirit has been given to us that we might now begin to walk in it, to live it, not simply believe it, but to live it, to follow him. To be a Christian has two parts. It has the true belief and the true following. The true following. And when that happens in the life of a man or a woman, whatever age, a person can be 15 or a person can be 85. I've, known, I've only once ever known someone who came to faith in their 90s, but I've seen it happen. It's very hard because the habits of a lifetime are the habits of a lifetime. And the habits of unbelief and disobedience do not change. You think it's hard to change the time of the service. Change a serious bad habit at 75 or a later age. But it does happen. But when it happens, a person enters into a relationship with the living God. Something happens that puts you in a lived relationship by the Spirit with God Almighty in Jesus Christ. You move into a relationship with a living God known in Jesus. And that relationship becomes a relationship of prayer. It becomes a relationship of prayer. And that's a two-way reality. That's me speaking to my Lord. And my Lord speaking to me. And if I'm not rooted in that relationship, if I'm, not, if I'm not abiding in that relationship, if I'm not grounded in that relationship, I have no life in Christ. I, I may talk about him. God help me, I could preach about him. 
But I have no life in him if I'm not walking in that relationship. If I'm not bound to him. I speak to him. And I listen for his voice. And the principal way, 99% of the time, that I hear his voice is I read what he said. I read the word of God. I hear the word of God. Because God speaks through that word. God's way of teaching me is through that word. God's way of guiding me is through that word. God's desire for my life is that it would be conformed to that word. And so when he says today, don't pray that way, pray this way. It's a very, very, very important word from God to us. Now, again, as I've said, I've been praying this prayer like most of you, maybe all of you, almost all of my life. But it's very easy for it to become something we say without thinking. It's possible to say it without thinking. It's possible to say it without believing it. It's even more possible to just keep saying it and not pay attention to what it's trying to teach us, which I think is probably the, the greatest danger for those of us that are faithful week by week in the life of the church. That we say these things, we pray these things together when we're gathered together, we sing these things when we sing, and then we go on living as though we hadn't understood them. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father, not my father, not Tom's father, not Patrick's father, our father, his and mine. This prayer immediately points out that a Christian is part of a family of believers. A family of believers. There is no following Jesus apart from the church. Jesus and the church are one. I'm not speaking of a building. I'm not speaking of a denomination. I'm speaking of the community of faithful followers. We belong to the family of God and God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, is our Father, our Abba, our Daddy, as the early church will say. And his name is holy. What does that mean? Well, it means way more than I'll say today, but it means that he is above all things, that he is righteous altogether, that there is nothing, nothing about God or his will or his ways or his word that is false. Nothing. He is holy. He is holy other. He is not part of the creation. He is the Lord of creation. He is over all things. And all things exist because of him. 
And if he had not revealed himself to us as our father in his beloved son, we would be lost forever. It's the sweetest sound in a believer's ear. Our Papa, our Father, holy be your name. And that means I want his name honored. I want his word honored. I want his way honored in me and in you. And then we pray that his kingdom would come. That his kingdom would come on earth. And there we go. There we go. For me, that plunks us right into the middle of the time in which we're living. When's the last time you opened your newspaper and it talked about Christ? When's the last time you watched the news and they talked about what it means to be faithful to God? When's the last time one of your children came home from school and said, we had a wonderful conversation today about what it means to be a Christian? Is not happening. And it hasn't been happening for a long, long time. But believers have been told by Jesus that we are to pray that God's kingdom comes on earth. And that would mean that the people of the earth honor the holy name of God and walk in God's truth and honor God's word and live in the light of God's wonderful gift of his son for the salvation of the whole world not just for those of us who are gathered today here. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. So when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we've got a double thing happening. And part of it is what is meant to be happening in us. And part of what is meant to be happening in the world in which we live and the most immediate way that that has to be lived and expressed is in the life of the church that we belong to, the community of worshipers that we belong to. It's a great, great, great grief and sadness to me how many people there are in this city or town or county who, if asked, will tell you they belong to a church but who never come who don't meet with others to worship the living God, who say they are believers but do not live as believers. Your kingdom come, dear Lord, on earth. How will that be? Well, it will only be if those of us who believe it, live it. If those of us who believe it, pray it. If those of us who believe it are willing to pay the price for living it in an increasingly hostile environment where to live it is to be made fun of, to be mocked, 
to be spoken of as evil. We've come into a season, and it's, it's not been slow in coming, but most of us have been slow in recognizing it. We've come into a season in which almost everything that our grandparents believed was true is repudiated in the nation in which we live. It's, it's true that almost everything that Jesus and the church has taught is being repudiated in our lifetime. It, it's not news to me, and it's not news to you if you've had your ears open, because I, I looked it up, and I said it the first time I preached at Christ the King Grace. I thought things were bad at the end of 2014. I had no idea how it would look seven years later. Can you believe what's happened in the last seven years? Were any of you, when we were asked to remember 2011, or 9-11, pardon me, were, were any of you like me, thinking it's almost like you're looking at a world that's gone? How America was 20 years ago compared to how it is today? I know this is not a happy sermon. You'll just have to forgive me. So what about the future of the parish? Well, the future of the parish depends on the next leader and on you. Because it's going to be... a a dance, if I could put it that way. It's going to be a combination of who leads, whether that comes in three or four or six months or whenever it comes, when that rector is chosen. It's going to be part of his responsibility to preach and teach the clear gospel truth and to live it or to be doing all in his power to live it. And to see that his family lives it. And then that this church lives it. But without a community of believers who will live it, it's possible to preach and preach and preach and teach and preach and teach. And very little ever changes. There has to be a community of men and women who hear the word of God and accept that it is challenging them, that it is calling them, that it is needing in them change. It's needing repentance. It's needing different ways of living. It's needing new habits and old habits to die. And unless the two are together, the future of the parish will be bleak. And I know that none of us in this room want that. So we must be praying. Have I said this enough? We must be praying. We must be asking God to bring the shepherd of his choosing. Not the bishop's choosing. Not John's choosing. Not the search committee's choosing. Not even the vestry's choosing, although they will have the vote. But that they will be assenting to the shepherd of God's choosing. In the meantime, what must faithful people do? Well, we must have a daily time of prayer with the Word of God. 
if you don't have a set time of daily prayer with the Word of God, you need to begin that. Without that, our collective ability to shape the future is seriously jeopardized. A daily time of prayer with the Word of God. Because it's through the Word of God that we will be taught. It's through the Word of God we will learn. It's through the Word of God we'll grow. It's through the Word of God we'll see things that must change. And we need, in my deepest conviction, a time in our week. Blessed are you if you have it day by day. But at least somewhere in your week, a time with other believers separate from Sunday. A time with other believers, not just to have a cup of coffee, not just to have a good time, although have a cup of coffee and have a good time, not just for fellowship, but have fellowship, but a time together to help one another be more faithful followers of Jesus Christ and his word. Without that, the church is limping badly. God means it to be the way Christian families live. But in the absence of that, we must replace it with some other opportunity to be helped on this journey. We can't do it alone. We can't do it alone. And of course, we need to be here on Sunday, even if it's at 8.30. I was, I was told by someone who's here today that almost all their life they've been going at 8 o'clock. So coming at 8.30 was not hard. It was like complicated. Because for 50 years, there's been breakfast after the 8 o'clock service. <laughs> and, and that has to shift too. Huh? All of us have habits. I... I grew up first in a parish where the service was 7.30. Then I came to America where it was almost universally at 8 o'clock in those days. I don't know if God can grow the 8.30 service, but my prayer is that he will. But he's not going to grow the 8.30 service if there don't become new people, younger people, even teenage people, who start to want only what God wants for their lives and for the world in which they live. And the more of those there are, the more 830 will grow. Whether with a 90-year-old or a 9-year-old. Add that to your prayers, will you? It's in mine. It's in mine. Let's conclude with a prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for giving us through Jesus such a clear guidance to how we should pray. Dear Father, teach us to be faithful in prayer. Teach us to be faithful to your word and put into our heart the desire and the disposition and the determination to ask your kingdom to come among us right here, right here on earth, right where we meet, right where we worship, right where we shop, right where our children are educated, right where we go about our business. Let your kingdom come on earth, dear Lord. And hold back, please, dear God, the forces that seek to destroy it. 
And may we not, in ignorance, be part of that enemy or his tactics. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen.